today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Petition? That's a little more involved. That's a little bit more of a commitment. Intercede? And thank God for them? Nah. You know what my problem is? I'll speak for myself. Okay, so... But don't think for a second the Holy Spirit's going to let you off the hook when I do, okay? My problem is that I'm prone to become angry at people, argue with people, instead of simply praying for people. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. God asks you to pray for people, but not just the people you like. He also tells you to pray for your enemies, and not just pray either. Pastor J.D. will point out today that you need to thank the Lord for them. Sounds ridiculous, right? But as Pastor J.D. will also remind you, your enemies are deeply loved by God, too. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're currently in 1 Timothy, and our text today is going to be chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. I'll have you turn there at this time, if you haven't already. Just four verses today, beginning here in verse 1 of chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing to... Timothy, a young pastor, and says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, and all those in authority at the city and county of Honolulu. Oh, it doesn't say that there, I'm sorry. (laughs) That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good. And pleases God, our Savior, who, verse 4, wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So I want to talk with you today about something that is kind of tough but needed. Arguably something that is so apropos concerning the world in which we are living today. I want to talk about how it is that people are not the enemy. They are the opportunity especially those who may oppose us and disagree with us. You know what's sad? It's really heartbreaking, actually. And I think you're going to understand this when I say this, but the real enemy, the devil himself, has succeeded in large measure by getting us as Christians to do his dirty work for him and instead of him. He has 
succeeded sadly in getting Christians to argue with each other. And it's not just Christian against Christian, it's Christian against non-Christian. One would think that the world, the flesh, and the devil, what I call the big three, would be enough. But no, we want to add people to the mix, as if that's not enough. Everything that we're up against and that is coming against us, and yet here we are as Christians, devouring, fighting, arguing, backbiting. One need look no further than to social media. I got to tell you, it's getting worse. You've got those who wear a mask attacking those who don't. I wish I could stand before you and say that as a pastor, it's any better. In fact, in some regards, it's almost worse. you got pastors who have closed their churches attacking pastors who won't. How about that? And if this weren't bad enough, you've got this president of the United States, and just the mere mention of his name invokes this anger and vitriol. It is so vile and foul. You've got the pro-Trump and the not pro-Trump. And here's what's happening, and you've probably seen it. Let me see if I got this straight. So they're the enemy. So your battle now is against them. Can I just ask you, and I, with all sincerity and honesty, I have to ask the question, how is it possible that you can share Jesus Christ with somebody that you have just called a demon rat? Is that fair? I don't know if it's possible to estimate, even overstate, just how costly this is. What do you mean? What I mean is, <laughs> how much is this costing us in moving everyone every day closer to Jesus? You know what they're saying in response to the Christian that is doing this, you Christians are all alike. You know, it's no wonder they want nothing to do with the Lord, with things of the Lord. I know it's kind of a crass way to say it and see it, but that's really bad advertisement for Christ. Again, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's, you know, we're to be salt and light. We're going to talk about that in a moment. I have to confess that this is an area in my life that God's really been doing a work in over the years, especially as of late, in as only He can, changing my heart 
as it relates to how I interact with people, whether it's on the phone with that customer service uh, individual that's put me on hold for 45 minutes. I'm not proud of this, obviously, but there was a day not too long ago when they would finally pick up, and I mean, it was like, Now, only God could do this, especially with the way I'm wired, my personality and my temperament. And don't look at me all smug, because you know (laughs) some of you are the same. So now I've been on hold for 45 minutes, and finally that exhausted, fatigued, frustrated, discouraged customer service person says, hi, can I help you? And instead of just, I mean, giving them, reading them the riot act, I just say, hey, you know, uh, thanks for taking my call. I cannot even imagine what kind of a day you've had today. I just want you to know that you've probably had a lot of very mean customers. I'm not going to be one of those. And so, I mean, I'm telling you, if God can do that with somebody like me, there's hope for you too. Because I was the worst when it came to that. You called it. You've just lost a lifetime customer. Here's this employee on the other end of the phone going, wow, really? See, now what happens is by the end of that conversation, I'm able to say, you know, I'm going to pray for you that you have a blessed rest of the day. And I got to tell you, there's been more than one occasion, even recently, where the person has actually broke down and cried. I've shared the true story. Maybe it's apropos to share it again today. True story. Pastor goes in to a diner to have breakfast. The server comes really mean, really rude. You know, just throws the menu down, doesn't say anything, leaves. Comes back, you ready to order? I said, just have a cup of coffee, thank you very much. I mean, that bad. And then he, you know, places his order, she grabs the menu and walks off. Food's ready, comes, brings it, basically throws it on the table in front of him, walks off. The end of the meal, he's done. He leaves a $20 tip, like four times the amount of the, the bill. Walks out to his car. He's in the parking lot. Outruns the server. Sir, sir, <laughs> you dropped the $20 bill. To which he responds, no, uh, I could tell you were really having a really bad day. I just really wanted to bless your day. I thought that might encourage you. And she just breaks down and cries. And he shares the Lord with her. How's that? This is why it is that the Scriptures are replete with passage after passage about how people are not the enemy that we battle against. The enemy's the enemy. Satan and his demons are the enemy. Perhaps the 
most well known is in Ephesians chapter 6 in the context of spiritual warfare and the armor of God because it's a spiritual battle. Writing to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit says that our weaponry is not carnal, it's spiritual. Here Paul, verse 10, says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the demon grats. No, it doesn't say that. Sorry. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to use that. I think you got the point. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And here's why. For we wrestle. That's an interesting word. For those of you that know about the sport of wrestling, it's full on. I mean, it is a full-on, full-body contact sport. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. People, Republicans and Democrats, conservatives and liberals, right and left. Well, then if we don't wrestle against them, then who is it that we wrestle against? Right here. It's against four entities delineated here in Ephesians 6, all of which are in the spiritual realm, all of which have different rankings. Like in the military, you have different rankings. So the first one, principalities. Second, powers. Third, rulers of the darkness of this age. And fourth, spiritual hosts of wickedness. They host wickedness like you would host a dinner party. They host wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who we wrestle against. That's who our battle is with. That's who the enemy is. Enter the text before us today. The Apostle Paul is making it very clear in no uncertain terms that people are not our enemy. Elected officials, governors, mayors, they are not the enemy, the opposing political party, not the enemy. Would you agree that Jesus died for them too? How about this? I'm going to take it further. I hope this doesn't, actually I do hope it jams your gears or crashes your hard drive, depending on your age, age appropriate metaphor. How about this one? Jesus loves them as much as He loves you and me. How about that? That should change the whole complexion of how we see people, specifically related to what we're to do, who we're to do it for, and perhaps more importantly, why. Why we're to do it in the first place. And that's what I want us to look at. What follows are the answers to the what, 
who and why people are not the battlefield, but instead the mission field. Can I say that again? (laughs) This world is a battlefield, right? But this world is also a mission field, which is why it is, by the way, that after you and I came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, God didn't just say, okay, they're saved, get them up here. No. Sometimes I I, kind of wish maybe he did. (laughs) You know, just, okay, save, poof, gone, bring them up here. You know, because if you leave them there, we don't know what's going to happen, right? No, you get saved, but now you got work to do. You got a mission, a commission, the great commission. Let's start with what? In verse 1, Paul urges a young Timothy to first and foremost pray, petition, intercede, and even thank God for all people. Okay, that I, I was okay with praying, but petition? That's a little more involved. That's a little bit more of a commitment. Intercede and thank God for them? Nah. You know what my problem is? I'll speak for myself. Okay, so, but don't think for a second the Holy Spirit's going to let you off the hook when I do, okay? My problem is that I'm prone to become angry at people, argue with people, instead of simply praying for people. One of the things I'm learning in my own prayer life is that when you pray for people, it doesn't take very long before you realize that you can't stay angry with people. I mean, at first it might be a little bit gnarly. I'm going to use that word. I really like that word. I think we need to bring that word back, just saying. At first it's a little bit gnarly. You know, you pray for, you know, them? I'm going to pray for them. Oh, I'll, okay. Okay, I'll tell you what. I will pray for them. <laughs> God, just kill them. In Jesus' name. <laughs> and we're so quick to go back in the Psalms when, you know, David in the Psalms says, you know, crush their teeth in their mouth so they choke on it. I like that. I'm going to pray that. It's biblical. No, that's not what that means. (laughs) For those of you that were with us in the Psalms, we went through that. Basically, it's David praying in the Psalms as if to say, do something to stop them from doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying. But it's kind of like that, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. I know for me, again, I'll just I'll be honest and open. You know, when I would pray for somebody like this, it was it was at first it was like, Lord, it was so hard. And then here's what happened. When I actually did it, my whole heart changed. And that was the whole point. And that's why Jesus in Matthew 5 said to do this. Verse 43, 
Jesus speaking, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yes, amen, amen. But I say to you, uh uh-oh, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. (laughs) Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. What? (laughs) How? Oh, why? It's not because God is saying, I'm God and I told you so. No. It's more like this. I love you so much. And I created you in my image. And I know what makes you tick and talk. Probably shouldn't use that. Uh, Goodness gracious. Sorry. Those of you who laughed know what I'm talking about, but anyway, whatever. I know what's best for you. And I love you so much that I can't stand to see you needlessly and unnecessarily suffer at the hands of your own anger and disobedience in your unwillingness to do that which I know will change your life and your attitude towards them. I have the blueprint, I have the schematics, if you will, for how (laughs) you work and operate and think and act. And I, I made you, I know, and this is something that needs to be fixed. And I know how to fix it. And this is how to fix it. You just start praying for them. I don't feel like it. Doesn't matter. You start praying for them and the feelings will follow. Can we talk about this in the context of marriage? You know, when husband and wife have a marital conflict? Okay, an argument. (laughs) You know, pastors, we call it intense fellowship. (laughs) I love that one. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it, by the way. So, you know, I mean, you're just, you're going back and forth. Me, what about you? That's the pot calling the kettle black. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. You get angry with each other. How about this? Stop. Catch your breath. Separate. Go to the Lord. And instead of being angry with them, pray for them and watch what happens. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 1 Timothy with Pastor J.D., Approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. This can be found on our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of 1 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 1 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 